Hello everyone. Thank you for joining us on our African Perspective. My name is Mariam Dati Ibrahim and I will be leading this discussion. Here with me are members of our African Perspective, Evan Boris Seifa, Mercy Kwabe and Amina Saniyo. Our discussion today is on social justice and provision of social policy in time of pandemic on the African continent. Um, our discussion will focus on social justice and social policy, how African nations prioritize the welfare of its citizens, defining social justice and social policy, development of social policy on the African continent, identifying African government leaders, ideas and definitions of social justice and social policy, issues of the effect, in the effectiveness of social policy provision, social policy and social justice in the time of the pandemic, and the way forward for sustainability. Let's begin our discussion by determining what social justice and social policy are. Um, Mercy Kwabe will start us off by discussing the definitions of social justice. Mercy? Thank you, Mariam. Um, social justice, which is relatively a new term, uh, we started talking about social justice more post-World War II. And, I mean, this was a conversation that was started because of the casualties, because of the people that were involved in the war and all of that. And this was basically a way to try to mitigate violence. So how can we make sure that the people are doing seemingly well so that they don't have to always fight or demand stuff? Because that's how war starts. War starts from um, the satisfaction of the people towards the government before you know it violence starts to build and all of that so social justice comes from the general um, justice term which we first hear from Plato so Plato explains what justice is or what a just state should be a just state should be a state that is a justice should be a state that is fair to everybody in application of the law implementing the law interpreting the law to every individual despite your socioeconomic status. Now, social justice now draws us away from the legalities of the law and focuses more on the welfare of the people. Because, I mean, the nexus between dissatisfaction, there's a theory in political science on frustration aggression. I mean, when people are frustrated, there's every likelihood that they will become aggressive. So in trying to address that problem, that's where I think we see the foundation of social justice, to try and build this gap between the state and the people by providing basic amenities for them. And this includes like healthcare, this includes, uh, what else do we even education. have? Social education and all of that. Things that would lead to the um, growth and let's say success of every citizen. So with social justice it has enormous effects like the effects of social justice which would um, I mean when people are engaged obviously they're not gonna cause conflict so the government is um, kind of like very very comfortable doing things that they need to do because when there's conflict I mean it hinders the growth of any nation so this is why social justice is basically important now there are problems social justice can cause and that's where the well, I say disparities, or that's where the arguments come from. Where do we get this money for social justice? It's a very expensive thing to do. For instance, we talked about free education. If you are going to provide free education, how do you pay the teachers? I mean, very developed countries can be welfare states, 
because they probably have the reserves and the resources. But what do you say about developing countries who are still trying to find their feet and their footing in the world, who are still trying to, some of them are not even industrious countries. So how and where do they get this money from? There are different scholars that even argue on the fact that social justice can make people lazy. And that's a very, very founded argument. I mean, we've seen this in first world countries. Yeah, we've seen this in first world countries where people just sit and just demand demand from the government because he knew that their government can give them. So all these arguments exist and there's also the fact that, okay, like the most common example that we hear with social justice is what happens when this poor man steals? Who do you blame? So if somebody is hungry, homeless, and the person steals like a loaf of bread, who do you blame? Do you blame the state? Do you blame the he, person for being the person? The who the do you blame? Because already, it's that scenario already paints that the state has failed in some kind of way to provide for the citizen. And I mean, this person had no other options. If the person had the option of buying, he probably would have taken it. So where do you now point, or what kind of punishment do you even give to somebody like this? So these are all things that, um, or all conversations that I had within the context of social justice. Now, social policy, on the other hand, are policies that are supposed to ensure that the people are being well taken care of. They are being provided for by the government. So when you talk about social policy, social policy should be geared towards the advancement of the citizens. Now, I know that we'll talk about this in the future, but yeah, this is just like basic discussions or conversations around social justice okay so i'll take i'll continue with what social policy is social policy is seen as the big umbrella and everything else falls under it in terms of i mean mercy when you talk about it's very very hard sometimes to differentiate to draw the lines between what social justice social policy social provision social welfare it's very hard sometimes to draw the lines but Scholars always want to talk about social policy now as the big umbrella and then what, where everything else falls under. So social well-being, social welfare, social provision, social justice, um, with social policy being the big umbrella. So in definition, um, it is, in a sense, an instrument of inclusive social protection, welfare and general be well-being and re redistribution by the of social instruments by the state. Um, and then... Professor um, Jimmy Adishino, um, one of the top scholars or top authors of social policy on the African continent, talks about or defines um, social policy as a collective public effort of affecting and protecting the social well-being of the people within a given territory. So he's talking about it as a collective. It's not just the state here, he says. He mentions um, that everyone, like so there's the social policy, but everyone is a provider, or at least you have different providers of the social policy, on, uh, of social um, welfare under social policy. And then he argues about, um, you know, the citizenry and um, that exclusion, because once he says you have people within a certain territory, even if they're not citizens, they should be beneficiaries of the social policy or, or social provision. He then goes on to argue about um, or argue that social policy seeks to create, promote, enhance, and protect the well-being of people within a certain territory or within a society. And then he cannot talk about social policy on the African continent without talking about Tandika Makandawire, um, God rest his soul. Um, 
He's the foremost authority on social policy um, on the on the African continent. He was very well known to push for you know discussion of social policy because he was the head of UN UN um, research at some point, and he said there isn't enough discussion of social policy in terms of Africa at the time. So he kept pushing for it, and then so it came into the discuss. Um, there was a discuss about it, and then so he talks about the four concerns of social policy. What social policy should con- concern itself about? He said the first one is redistributive effect of economic policy. Um, he talks about like how do you allocate the proceeds of economic activities um, within society, you know, without excluding others, right? Mm-hmm. Then he, the second one he talks about is the protection of people from the vagaries of the market and the changing circumstances of their lives. You know, for example, something happens, the breadwinner falls and drops dead and mm-hmm. no one goes to school anymore, you can't pay bills. So he talks about this changing of circumstances of life. He then talks about the third one being the enhancement of the productive potential of members of society because you can be, you know, you can have that potential but then there's no enhancement. There's no room for you to grow or to use, you know. So now you're talking about like the capability approach of Amartya Sen, you know, allowing people to to be who they can be fully, you know, the, the capacities and the capabilities. And then the fourth one, the final one he talks about is the reconciliation of the burden of uh, reproduction with that of other social tasks. He's talking here he's talking about women. He talks about, you know, the burden women carry in terms of reproduction, pregnancy, childbirth, nurturing, etc., etc. And he says the existence and access of the social instruments required by these women during these periods, right? And then post these periods. Would they come out and still be um, members of society that would be included in society would gain from or would get um, would be part of or beneficiaries of this social um, provision social welfare social services social policy uh, would they be included in terms of you know the architecture of the social policy and then additional says that he add, he ha- has to add one thing to it he said he adds one concern that social policy should also concern itself with um, enhancing social cohesion which he says is the nation-building project that all of Africa is talking about. So every state is talking about vision 2020, 2030, 2020, this, 2020, you know. He said, so that's nation-building. And he said, if you look at nation-building, you see a lot of social policy within it, right? Provision of this for, for you know, all the old, for the old, for the young, for, you know, school, schooling and healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so this is, this, this, uh, this is the definition of social policy in terms of what we're discussing today. And then um, furthermore, I want to discuss... You know the uh, diversity of the instruments of social policy. Um, in the effort to respond to like social issues, um, all these instruments you know have been looked at, and so there's a discussion around you know social. Um, there's supposed to be emphasis and reinforcement and creation of well-being of people, and the instruments that would do that include things like health provision, um, safe and affordable housing, land and and. and agrarian policies because I mean we know how important land is in Africa and we know what happens with all these agrarian policies a lot of um, Africans a huge percentage are still into uh, subsistence farming so land is very very important and we see how you know from inheritance you know a woman cannot inherit land in certain places or cannot even own land in certain places just because she's a woman so all these policies are very important when it comes to social social policy then he talks um, others talk about you know the equity in the labor market even you know, 
is still part of social policy. Um, um, affirmative action, some discussed that. You know, there's a lot of, you know, debate about affirmative action. You know, some people saying, some scholars saying, you know, yes, it's for inclusiv- inclusivity. Some are saying that, no, when you bring that in, then it's it's like you're, you're, you're separating, you know, the classes or, or, or the genders, etc., etc. Then poverty reduction, some of the instruments of, of um, social policy, unemployment benefits, family policy, which is different from child policy from what I'm, I'm, I've been reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the support, um, child policy and support, old age policy and support, education and um, support and provision. And even, like, Mercy talks about justice, you know, which brings the argument of social justice as an integral part of social policy. And then the list goes on, because there's so many. They just keep popping up. Um, because now you have to bring in all the rights of people and all the needs of people. Um, so generally, social policy aims to provide well-being and protect the well-being of citizenry. Okay? So on the African continent, we've seen social policy... Um, it's not new on the African continent. So... Um, as scholars would say, they wouldn't want to say like traditional, or they wouldn't want to say um, pre-colonial. They'd rather they'd rather say indigenous mm-hmm. social policy, right? So indigenous social social policy. I mean, we've seen how you know way before you know the uh, colonial masses came on onto the African continent or for, foreigners came onto the African continent. We had our ways, you know. Of supporting community, we're, we're very communal sort of societies on the African continent. So we, we, we used to be. <laughs> I believe we still are, in, in a way. Fifty-fifty. In a way, maybe you don't see it in urban areas much, mm. but we still see a lot of it in rural areas. Absolutely. So we, yeah. So, um, so you see it. You've, we've seen it in different forms then. But I'm going to bring it to. So we had we had it as well in the in the colonial era where it was to keep the peace. You know, like Mercy said earlier. You know, you give people what they want. Then that that grievance doesn't arise, you know. So it's it's a sort of like it's a, so a way of sort of keeping people happy, you know. So there was there was a, there was social provision even at the time of uh, colonization, and through to to the African liberation and independence. So it suffered a bit of a back um, um, setback during the military era and development programs of of, 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 of structural adjustment policies, um, but has since resurfaced with democratization, mm. right? So with the new wave of democracy sweeping the world, um, we've seen how it has allowed for, democratization has allowed for a new place to come into to, to the political arena. So we have new political elite into the polity of African states. And this has created, um, you know, um, Oh, it has brought with them these political elites have come with new policies and new ideas of social policy into the arena, and these usually is um, policies that would you know are aligned to those that would support them in terms of what they are looking for. What, what are they looking for? Do they want to be reelected and reelected? They want to stay in power, so they align their their, their the interest their interest with the interest of um, um, the. People, traditional rulers mostly, or or some you know um, depending on you know. So it's a case of the maybe patronage. We know that there's mm. a lot of patronage in, in, on the African continent. So the patrons, so they align their interests with the patrons, and then you know they're able to um, get what it is that they're um, they're that they're aiming for. So um, Aminatu will now continue the discussion on her thoughts about you know social justice and social policy <laughs> in time of pandemic and you know how to move forward. Okay. Um, so when we're looking at social policy it's very interesting like um, I've been able to pick out a few things from what you Mariam have said and also um, from Mercy about social justice in itself. 
Um, so what we can generally say about social policy is how integral it is to us and as a society, not even just at the local level, but at the national level and also and from the international level. So before we started this, um, before we started this recording, so we had a com um, we did a bit of discussion on this, and Mercy mentioned about how even developed country countries in general they are not able to satisfy probably all the needs of their citizens. So imagine how it is for the developing countries and the least developed countries. So when we start, when she said that, it started making me think is that social policy now is no longer a national. It should not just be addressed at the national level, but probably at the international level, because now it's almost like um, international obligation, because we have things like responsibility to protect, right? So if we can, if a government cannot really satisfy its people, provide all the welfare they need, should this now then be pushed and be making probably make it regional, or something, because that's why we have international organizations, yeah, so that we can always help each other. So when we look at the social policy now, let's look at it as well in the African continent. You mentioned about how, um, I think from one of the definitions, I can't remember, but about how social policy is a, is a part of nation building. I feel like it's one of the most important things because definitely we all have our responsibility mm. in the society. But when we come to the African continent, there's a very big disconnect between the government and its people. Mm. So how do we cover the gap is as well by helping the people. That's where it lies for the government. So now we are looking at the way forward. How can we do this? When we are looking at nation building, we need more policies, not just macroeconomic policies now, but also in general in the continent. So when we look at national policy, because now, for example, I'm doing my research on national development planning in Nigeria. And then when we look at some most of the plans, they're looking at the macroeconomic issues, how do we boost the economy and all these things. Definitely, as a, it's very important for um, the economy to be boosted, but also what of the socioeconomic sector now. Look at the people in itself, the social lives of the people. Definitely, we can say maybe we're recording high GDPs, but look at the quality of life. I was going to pick on that because I wanted to ask you, do you think the problem is that we don't have these policies? I don't think it's all about the policies. Well, it now comes down again to implementation. Mm -hmm. That's a very huge gap problem we have. Mm -hmm. So, for example, someone I met from um, in Ministry of Finance who talked about, he mentioned a lot of policies, a lot of acts mm -hmm. that have been created in the country. But he said we keep putting on policies. We have a lot of policies and acts yes. in the country. Yes. But when it comes to implementation, it's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. So he said, for example, there was a time there was an act that in the FCT, you cannot have a building more than 10 story building you cannot have more than 10 mm. but why because except in central areas so because the yeah. um, we don't have trucks mm. that can go more than 10 mm. but when we have all this said we are having all these policies but we know when he's listening he said as a police um i think he was talking about the police i don't know if it's just the police or the uniformed people are not meant to have more than five naira in their pockets because <laughs> then you know it's not talking about bribery and corruption but now, really, are we really mm. working with that? We don't. So now, when we're looking at the people again, so we draw it back now to the people. How do we have? How do we implement things that would just boost the economy? But also, how can we push people? So, for example, the public sector and the private sector. The private sector is very essential in driving that, an yes. economy. But for example, in Nigeria, they see themselves as the enemies. Mm -hmm. we, it's like almost like the government is against the private sector. The private yeah. sector thinks the uh, government is really trying to block its growth. So how do we bring this entrepreneurial spirit 
out from just the private sector but into the public sector how do we now have that merge because when we look at national even the rwanda development plan definitely they talk about a bit of macroeconomic issues but the main issues they actually looked at were actually focusing on the people it was more about social policy how do we increase our education rate how do we now push again for better health systems how do we drive the economic um the private sector these are some of the major things even gender issues are all part of this mm. national things so i think the biggest problem we have with social policy in nigeria is not about creating the policies now it's implementation mm -hmm. so it's it, it's very it's a very interesting because when we start talking about this kind of things it's going to be very yeah. hard to finish so yeah. that's the thing so um i think nation building so that's why i think as well as a people we shouldn't um it's not also about criticizing the government we have to do the work as well mm -hmm. so that we can have evidence when we are holding things against mm -hmm. the government yes. so because we know for example now when i heard about this thing about um the police and the five naira thingy i said that's very interesting. I've never heard of mm, this. We don't know about all yes. this kind of things. Yeah. So that's why we need that transparency. We, we don't have data. We don't have research because it's like an entire um, absolute world, absolute world when we come to Africa, mm. but actually in Nigeria, we don't have that action. Mm. But when we go to other countries, maybe we can be able to assess other things. So when we look at this, now again, let's move it out from Nigeria and we're looking at the African continent. We've spoken about Rwanda trying to drive its people to this. But also, we let's look at all, how much we're suffering. Now, for example, ECOWAS is such an integral body we see in West Africa. It's doing a lot of things, definitely. It, I think, it's to me, it's one of the um, best-performing kind of international organization we can see in the continent because we can see what has happened even with just the transnational movement in the region and everything. But also now at an ECOWAS level, how do we include social policy into ECOWAS? So that ECOWAS is not about the states anymore, it's about the people. people. Because mm. the people make up the state. And mm. West Africa is such a diverse region. Mm. <laughs> such a diverse region. Mm. And I, would, I, would, I would think we'll use it to our advantage, yeah. but we are not... And, and do, you know, do you know that honestly that's where I'll counter you because I do not think I am not of the opinion that um, social policy should be global or regional I mean ECOWAS is a very good example of how you can belong to the same place I don't even know why we're going to ECOWAS let's just talk about our country we are so diverse in so many ways that every policy that comes out whether it's towards social justice or any form of if the president today appoints somebody that is a northerner, that's all. The conversation starts from, oh, he appointed a Hausa person because he's Hausa. Not that these are no valid complaints. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that somehow, somehow, everything we do, if he appoints a Yoruba person, that ah, he's trying to win the Yoruba people. When the independent, not independence day, democracy day was changed to June 12th. It sparked anger. Mm. Southeastern people said, so our Biafra day, you could not put this thing. Why was it the Yoruba people's day you went yeah, to it? Like, so these are the reasons why I don't think social, just, um, social policies should be regional or global. Another reason yeah, why I disagree. Yeah, I, one of the reasons why I also disagree with this is because I honestly believe that, ah, you know the way the continent is. Very few countries actually own up or are responsible for actions. See what happened in South Africa with the xenophobic uh, violence that took place or that is currently still taking place. 
it took a while before South African government actually said, okay, this is actually happening. For the longest time, they're trying to act like, oh, we don't know who is what doing is this. Yeah. yeah. Or it was, See what is um, happening in Morocco. Mm. See what is happening in Ethiopia. Like, we're a continent that does not take responsibility. So who will this responsibility fall on? So uh, Because with social policy, actually. with social policy, there needs to be a check and balance system. So who is going to make sure that everybody, because, it, I mean, politics talks about, uh, this is Harold Laswell's definition uh who does what when and how so with social policy you would have to implement this who is doing what when and how how are we supposed to share this um responsibility on a regional level when we've never figured out how to share it on like a national level then there was something you said that i wanted to also pick on like the reasons why we're having so many problems yes implementation very big problem i've seen a man before that was so upset that his container came in through Portacot and not Lagos. And I was wondering, why were you upset? He was like, ah, Lagos, we know how to maneuver. Yeah. <laughs> but then in Portacot, they are very strict. He said, you know, these South-South people, they are very, very strict. But in Lagos, I mean, there's some guys that I know there. So implementation, very huge problem. Then second problem is that, A, we like creation of policies here. Every leader will come. It's like a ceremony. Yes. So is it implement? So, so we have porous policies. I think it's for remembrance. So many policies. <laughs> but who is remembering really? Because you have see this thing that you're saying that police is supposed to have. They're not supposed to have money in their pocket. I kid you not. There is a policy that tells them that there's a certain amount of money they can have on them, which is not five naira. So you're talking about policies. So are but there policies that are not aligned? Yes, we have different that, policies know, that, counter that counter each other, each other. and they're all in existence. In this country, we have ICPC, EFCC, uh, uh, <laughs> something something bureau, corruption something bureau. All, all of them have yeah. the same mandate. Why? Why are we doing this to ourselves? So you know, so um, you know that's very interesting that you just. Sorry, I just want to. Put, so you said they have the same mandate, and it's very interesting that it's. I think I don't know if the problem, um, for example, not just in Nigeria but in general, if it's the government or if it's the people. So a few months ago, we had the Minister of Finance also that came out and spoke about this. Mm. She said we have a lot of um, parastatals, a lot of organisations that are probably doing the same job, and then because of that as well, we just um, there is no um, basically that check and balance the responsibility yeah. because and you know that these agencies fight each other yeah so she was now saying we we'll probably have to now merge them no but we're talking about merging this for years so she, now. She, she, she's, but we all know that merging if you know the process of merging the bureaucratic it will, it's going to take maybe 10 to 15 years to be able to merge yeah, yeah. So, I, so it's going to take that long so yes they've been talking about merging for so long for so many years and we deal with the fear of unemployment like oh that's, that's always our justice for creating Unnecessary this and this is the same problems we make with social policy. This is the same problems we make with social policy where we create the same policy. Like this president comes with his own policy, another president comes with the same his own policy. They've not cancelled out the former person's social policy or what he was trying to do. Uh Yaradua had his seven point agenda. One of the points of agenda was to elevate people out of poverty. But then he had his uh Will I say his operandi or his modus operandi that he was going to work with, which Good Luck Jonathan carried on, 
But then Buhari came and started with a new po- like we we don't even complete. No, there's no continuation. Yeah. That continuation, we know. yeah, that we know. because everyone wants to leave a legacy, yeah. their own legacy, you know. So it's yeah. my legacy and not the, yeah. my predecessor's legacy. Yeah. Abby, do you want to add anything to this conversation? Yeah, absolutely. I have okay. So having listened to the conversation of social justice, social policy, I've been doing some thinking or some reflection based on what we've discussed, and I think when it comes to the African continent, there are just three issues which I think we can discuss. Like now, the issue of the right social policy that the people need. You know how you had mentioned just now about the multiplication of policies, and mm-hmm. then Amina said something about having to leave a legacy or to be remembered. <laughs> so in a sense, you know, with, with the definitions of social policies, we already have of social justice, which I don't want to um, over... Um, to explain Yeah, to explain again. So the idea is that what do the people need? Because, I mean... We are providing this, we are formulating these policies for the people. So, in essence, are African leaders really asking the people what they need? Which now takes us back a little bit to history. When we look at Tanzania and Julius, I could never pronounce it. You know, he came up with this amazing policy, African socialism and all of all that, and then he was working towards empowering the people economically amongst, you know, amidst other policies. And then there was this policy of forced visualization, which was sending people back to the villages to become farmers. Yeah, he said, he said, he said, if you have a guest, sorry to, he said, if you have a guest, he's your guest for two days, the third day, give him a hole. (laughs) Do the job. So that was his own idea of socioeconomic empowerment for his people. But the question was, do the people really want that? So I think that's part of the conversation, of part of the issues that we have in Africa whenever it comes to social policy. I remember there was this very um, interesting that happened about two or three years ago in one of the states in northern part of Nigeria where a governor was trying to empower his people. And to empower them, he didn't have a conversation with them. He just came with, with wheelbarrow and hose and cutlass. And I was thinking, is that really empowerment? Is that what yeah. these people need? We saw the same thing, too, in one other eastern part of the state where the first lady of that particular state wanted to, you know, promote health services, clean health services. And then she came up with a very funny structure with it. There was a plastic, big plastic jerry can. And it was just... Oh, yeah. Yeah, where we could just, you know, literally have a proper sink with okay we can yeah wash your where you could wash your hands so that was some of the issues the second has to do with it seems like we tend to mix up social policies and economic policies mm. so sometimes we find ourselves questioning our leaders we don't really know what they are doing we mm. know they are educated we know they have experts but they seem to be a bit of mix-up because when you talk about it can be separated well, at some point yeah they can be separated at at, at some point exactly so Yes, there is a link in terms of, you know, when people have, when people are comfortable, mm. then their social life improves. So I think that's another as- aspect that we can always, you know, we can reflect on. And of course, uh, we cannot emphasize collective action. And um, Amina talked about that in terms that, you know, she had said that we can't keep always blaming the government to a certain degree, that we, the population, we do have a responsibility. So I think these are just my little, or these are just my brief thoughts or reflections on social policy or social justice on the African continent. So now let's talk about social justice and social policy in terms of pandemic, because I mean this is what this is, and then we talk about the the um, sustainability of of this on the African continent. From what I see, I see uh, certain issues that we've, we've all discussed here. So implementation issues, too many policies. The, is there a will? You know, is there a will mm-hmm. to implement? 
Is that is that what the problem is? Is it largesse? Is it about money? Is it because it's not maybe it's not affordable? What is really needed by the people? Like Abby has discussed, that she's brought it up. Do they know the needs of the people? And the thing, like one of the drivers of of social policy is the interest. We've seen that over all the periods of provision of social policy, we've seen interest be one of the major drivers. So whoever is pro- providing that to or creating that social policy would create it in terms of their own interest. So it's it's not about what is needed, really. Like I talked yeah. about the patrons. So it's it's we're, 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 it's we we know how we are. You know the patriarchy, the patrimony in, in our society. So what it is is they would align it with the patrons and whatever the patrons, you know, and the patrons would sell it to to their own, you know, and then obviously and then they would they would get the votes that they, they need. Um, and and democracy, uh, the new wave of democracy has has deepened this problem. It truly has deepened this problem. So now let's let's look at you know in this time of pandemic, social policy and uh, provision and social social justice and you know and things like that. So um, who's going to take on the discussion? Who's okay? Okay, uh, I feel like first of all, it's not even I feel. Per- I know that for you to talk about social policy, you cannot exclude the same way you cannot exclude uh, economics from political life is the same way you cannot exclude economics because again one of the major issues of contention is where would this money come from then one of the things i got was that i mean from the pandemic it was very easy to see how countries ah the pandemic was very it was a very revealing. interesting time yeah very revealing very interesting it very revealing the gaps yes in public health Globally, globally, yeah, yes, it did. I mean, like it opened a new conversation that I never even thought we'd be having. For instance, open conversation about World Health Organization. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like what then is your job? (laughs) (laughs) This was not supposed to happen. And I asked my students sometimes. I'm like, what do you think should have happened? It's like from the first case, they should have just closed down China. Yeah. and contain that disease. I'm like, then why do you think this didn't happen? He said, because obviously they prioritized economics. Yes. They prioritized diplomacy. Yes. And because I always tell my students that, see, you might be studying diplomacy and international relations, but you as a diplomat need to know that at some point when diplomacy fails, war is imminent. Absolutely. Yeah. There's nothing Absolutely. we can do. Absolutely. Sometimes the violence has to come. Absolutely. Let, what's, what's the thing they so say? So, we have, yeah. Uh, let, let war, there's something about it. No, law is absolutely necessary in, ta- in times of something. I don't yes, remember. we ended the class. We ended the class by agreeing that yeah. to some certain extent, it was because it was China. Yeah. Let that disease have originated. Ebola. How did we respond to Ebola? Immediately. Contained. There was a, they, yeah. Immediately, yeah. every flight yeah. stopped. Immediately, yeah. every yeah. air. Yeah. But then they didn't do the same. Anyway, so bringing it back to social justice in the pandemic. Whew, very <laughs> telling. I mean, some countries handled it better. Some countries were able to give welfare to their citizens. More developed countries were able to give small business, small and medium So now you're talking about, is the money you're talking about now? Yes, I'm talking about the economics of it. They They could afford it. However, it's not like they handled the pandemic well, but that's not what we're talking about today. Yeah, So, but they could afford to take care of their citizens. And that was where we saw the gap that, Omar, in this part of the world, if there is... If there's like a walking dead situation, you know, you know, <laughs> nobody is every man for, for himself. himself. Yeah. Literally. Survival yeah. of the fittest. Yeah. I took part in some uh, initiatives that we went out to give people food. Mm. And 
on the line, I'm sharing food. I don't know if I'll give you any review this story. Mm-hmm. But on the line, I'm sharing food to somebody, like giving packages to people. And this woman came, first of all, she was tying her tie. Then when she came, she, she lined removed. up again, she removed the hair tie. No. And I'm like, dude, it's desperate. I have seen you before. It's her twin sister. And she was like, no, it's not her. She was arguing. I was like, okay, fine, take a second one. Then when I went on break, I saw her, she had gone to queue again. So I now, sent, I now sent a message to the person that replaced me. I said, do not give that woman. <laughs> you know, she lay down there and cried and swore on her life that she had not collected any palliative from us. And I'm like, I'm not a blind person. My vision is not 2020, but I can't see. <laughs> As in, these are the things. So it, it, it goes like, there were just different problems from distribution of... Uh, Palliative. Palliatives, which you know, our form of politics here is food politics, where we use food to buy the people yeah, yeah. to personalization because of this, to personalization of these palliatives, where some people were, some leaders were using it as um, birthday gifts. Oh, they were yeah. using, you saw this in Lagos, yes, 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 some it. leaders were we using this it. as birthday gifts. Where they so some people, of them stored it up till it got bad. Yeah, to people, to, use it. yeah, to people now becoming greedy about this redistribution of um, palliatives. So, my question, the most foremost question I had was, ah, we in ourselves, because I like to always remind myself that every leader we have in this country did not come from another country. They came from here. They are Nigerians. So, what I like to remind my, I like to remind myself that so that when I'm criticizing, I, I also reflect on myself and say, ah, you, if you were there, would you do better? Because it now started making me think deeper about it. Like, if these same people that are hustling for palliative or taking so many, despite the fact that many people have not gotten, there are same people that even when you give leadership position, they'll behave the same way. Mm. They're not going to be any different. So you see that the problem is not even, like, a federal problem. We like to look at all Nigerians' problems like it's a federal problem because we have a centralized government. But it's not a federal problem. We have a problem. And that's why when you made that statement about our communal, yeah, I interjected because I honestly don't think we still have that. Okay. Uh, so me, I'm just going to build on a bit on points um, said by Dr. A.B. and also Mercy. So um, at the beginning when Dr. A.B. spoke, she talked about sometimes the government doesn't even know what the people want. And we can see that clearly actually when you give the examples so even when children were inside the water i think somewhere in the south south and collecting um, um packets of indomie from a mm. politician in a boat and everything so now again so just part of recommendation i was just going to say why can't we have focus group discussions and also surveys because as well we cannot even generalize it what someone needs in the southeast is not the same as what the person in the north south north east also needs so we actually need to now break it down again so kind of what um so basically it's what mercy was saying that we cannot have a global level and everything because even at the national level we can't even get it right so i think highest what we can have are just policies at, at the international level but when it comes to the implementation and some detailed points we now break it down into the regions and also i want to talk i want to talk about now again the social justice and social policy in the pandemic so as mercy said we could see it in the who (laughs) and what clearly shows us again um is structural violence so even during ebola they responded but they still didn't respond as quick as they were meant to because according to um the world health organization from the first outbreak of ebola which were years ago Mm. if there should be a case of ebola just suspected ebola it should be reported to the WHO immediately and there should be a response in less than 24 hours. But we actually, they, they, um, 
they actually didn't get a response till almost a month later because of the politics of the World Organization. Yeah. Since this was um, a problem for West Africa and not for the major countries who are actually the biggest donors to the World Health Organization. So it actually showed us so much structural violence, not now in the entire health world. Because now we can see the gaps as well, even with the distribution of vaccination. Um, African yes. countries, Latin America, uh, if Southeast Asia, Asia we can mm. see what's happening with us, the gap that is happening. We can see the gap at the international level and even at the national level. When I went to get my vaccine, I can remember they were saying, oh, there was someone, an important person that was coming. Um, so it, it took hours because um, the problem isn't about the getting the vaccine, but getting your registration also yes. during the first dose. And they were like, oh, this person is coming and he wants when he arrives, there shouldn't be anyone here. What about all the people that have been, been here waiting. since morning? There's some people who, were, who actually did their vaccine maybe days um, earlier, but they actually couldn't get their registration, so they're waiting and everything. So we can see that huge problem in the health sector and then again in the educational sector. Because we can see that not everyone is able to take their children to schools that have the proper amenities. The government-funded schools are actually always, tend to usually be behind except your child is very smart and very dedicated that that child actually puts the work to actually get to the top. But most times, all these amenities, we can only see it in the private schools and we can see, we know the cost of private schools, not just in Nigeria, but in Africa. How can people be paying even in dollars in a country that doesn't use dollars? But thank God now we have that regulation now that we, we um, they shouldn't be giving out school fees and dollars, but actually in the local currency. So these children have the access that during the pandemic, they were able to have online classes one yes. way or the other. But for those people that do not have the opportunity, some people either had no access completely, but for some, they were doing some radio, some radio stations were yes, actually giving were classes online. I've listened in onto, um, to one before in Maiduguri when I was um, working in Maiduguri. And when the teacher was talking, Literally, my colleague, my colleague was just quiet for like five minutes. And then she was like, no, this cannot be the education in this country. That, that's how the teacher, first of all, is even talking. Like, the teacher himself actually seems a bit confused by what's happening. Mm. Like, imagine trying to teach maths to students through the radio. How hard that is. And then also, he also seems confused by what he's teaching. And then, of course, the children are probably not listening to you mm. because the parents are now yeah, saying, oh, yeah. it's a hard time yeah. for us. My child is probably going to go yeah. parking outside on yeah. the streets. Well, I mean, for some people had the luxury of just staying home or they're playing video games. No, they're actually just having some fun times by themselves. So it's very interesting. We can see the gap now, the problem we have with social policy. And these are things that now that it has actually shown the um, problems we have in the institutions, then we should have started talking about reforming them. How do we close these gaps? But no, it's become, it's now like more, we're actually turning a blind eye to it. When we saw the problem of the health sector, look at the top officials getting COVID at the beginning of it, then we said, no, actually, this, um, is, it the, also, is it the Villa Hospital mm. or so? Okay, all the money that has been going there, where are the equipments in it? Also, the other government-funded um, hospitals, Hopefully, thank God that's where we have the best consultants, right? Because at most times you can go to a private hospital. Yes. They refer you back to a government yes. hospital because yeah. that's where the, the consultants are. Hospital. Then why don't we also fund the general hospitals properly? 
they actually lack most of these things because then from there if you're going to do some tests they refer you back to a private lab or something so we can see that problem how do we now start this discussion of reformation how do we reform the health sector because it's like now the doctors are like a huge problem we saw the protest done by the house workers right mm. and then it became a thing of saying now in fact we're going to stop paying them mm. they are not your enemies <laughs> and we saw the There's story of a threat that follows we saw the yeah. man who explained the story of his daughter dying in Lagos because there were no doctors around because they were on strike. Mm. So a huge problem. Even the private hospital he was referred to, I think it was a customs hospital or so, the amount they called was basically savings for over how many months. Mm. So he lost his daughter in that cause. So now how do we start this reform? Should we as also as a people actually start writing more to the people? Because this the thing is that will also will they really listen to us? But how do we also help the government help us? Because we know that's a major that's a major problem because yeah. we do, we have an accessibility. Do we have yes? Do we have, we access. have the access to that's meet issue. Do you know access. anybody's email? No, the House of Assembly. No, dear. <laughs> Not even your your own representative. No. Exactly. And even if you send the email, are you sure? How sure are you that person even knows how to check emails? To get a response. So that was why. So that was why. Issues. Yeah, because when earlier we were even talking about when Mercy was even talking about um, uh, the government not even knowing about what we want. So I started thinking of also Plato and the aristocratic form of government. It's a huge problem in the entire continent that almost you can wake up like you can be nothing. You can have no educational background you wake up tomorrow, tomorrow you, you tell you you tell yourself i want to be the president and you become the president with yes. no vision yes <laughs> yes so and that's a huge problem so talking about social policy and social policy provision social justice um, in a time of pandemic on the african continent We've seen how, you know, the vulnerable have become more vulnerable, um, the ones who are vulnerable and vulnerable. you know, the, the gaps in the, in, the, in the health system, which we know about and we always discussed about what was surprising was the global health um, system um, gaps that we saw. Uh, and then um, the economic impact of this in people's lives because of the huge percentage of the informal sector on the African continent people going out daily to get their daily bread. So it's, it's a daily thing. You go out, that's what you feed yourself with. That's what you, you know, a daily, whatever you get. So you go out, if it's your bananas, if it's with a hoe, you're looking for someone to, if it's your painter, you're looking for someone to employ for that day. Whatever it is, that is what you would take back home. That's what you would feed yourself. You have family, that's what you're taking back. And then they were unable to do that, obviously, because of the lockdown, the pandemic, etc., etc. And then, like, everyone would want to discuss, I think, the protests across the countries, which is valid, um, because people were frustrated. So these palliatives are said to be given. However, a lot of people didn't see them. Mm. Okay? Um, people became desperate. You know, so they had to come out because for how long are you going to keep people? Um, I remember when people we, were chanting that, I'd rather go out and for this disease to kill me than for hunger to kill me. Yeah, yeah. Because is that one of... Yeah. Is it that one of... Exactly. Yeah. You know, is that so, hunger or... Yeah. So, I mean, um, people had to. So, like, I mean, I just talked about this is a time for governments, opportunity for governments to reform, African African states to reform, you know, because this is... is it, it, it truly is an opportunity. This is a time to turn things around because it's usually when something seismic happens, this, there's something that's big, you know, that you can... you can. There, it's a shift. It really is a shift. So this is the time to, to them fall into that shift and, you know, sort of mold new things and then new approaches to things because it, it, it truly is an opportunity. So I believe that it is a time for for um, African governments to be more creative about their approaches to, to approaches to, to social policy and so social provision. Um, like we discussed from the discussion here, I gather that, you know, our thoughts are 
no implementation of policies. Um, is the will there, even by the governments, to do this? Um, is the is the is the money there? Is the largesse, like like Mercy talked about? So. Um, with all of this, right? If, 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 you know, so there's a lot of support. There's a lot of help from the rest of the world, truly. There's money flowing in, you know. Mm -hmm. Private sector came in. Remember car COVID? Mm -hmm. Private sector really stepped in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've never seen private sector. With the sector, donations. I've yeah. never seen private se sector step well, in. Well, I mean, if you're not doing your corporate social responsibility, this was the time oh, exactly. to step up. And <laughs> they did. And yeah. they did. I mean, they didn't, they didn't put any money in. They did. But then we did, we, we, we. We saw all of this. So the largest, I don't think, at the, at this time of the pandemic, it's not about money. It's something we could, we could, we would, we will be able to afford to take care of people in this time. It's not about money in, in a lot of African states because there's a lot of help around the world. There's a lot of fund, a lot of funds were flowing through because of this. Um, so maybe it's the will. Maybe it's 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 um, um, our issue of you know the governance yeah. issues that we have, corruption, you know things like that. So um, I think this is the time for. African states, African leaders to, to, to just wake up and do what they're supposed to do. I think this is it. This is the push that we need. Mm -hmm. This is the time. How um, and how and what is going to push now is another problem because with social policy, we know that you have to have drivers. And as I yeah. said earlier, the most the most salient driver of social policy is interest. It really is interest. Mm -hmm. What is the interest of the providers and the creators of this policy? Mm -hmm. And then we all we all know. I mean, with the, the sort of the democratization that's brought in, you know, new wave of democracy, we know that what they want is to retain power, stay in power, be remain relevant, you know, until they have the legacies and it's time for them to move on. And then they bring in theirs and theirs and theirs, and then it's still the same political class that would remain. This is this is this is their aim. So how how would then these interests be aligned? You know, how would this interest be aligned with the provision of of, of it has to be tied, right? So you need to tie it to what what are they going to be benefit from it? Because without that benefit, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So, Abby, you want to yeah, chip in? Yeah, yeah just, a few, just a few thoughts. So when Miriam raised the question of social policies or social justice and pandemic across the African continent, there were just um, three things that I kept on, I, that I reflected on. And one of them, which she has already mentioned, has to do with the economic gap, which, we, which we've always known about this, but I think the pan pandemic really brought it close to home. We realize that when people do not go out to work for a day, then they go hungry. Mm. So I think that, that you know that's one of those issues that, that African countries need to face. So after a few weeks of the lockdown, it was not just in Nigeria, across the, the continents and the, the, the different um, sub-regions in Africa, we saw people coming out and saying, to hell with this lockdown, we are going to come out, we are going to look for, you know, for, for food to eat. And yeah. I think it's something that our governments in African states, I think our government in African states has to pay attention to. We need a backup plan. If I remember Messi made, you know, in one of our earlier discussions, she talked about the fact that it, when when a person dies in Africa, you see people crying and wailing. Yeah. So she was like, you're not, you're not wailing because they're going to miss the person. Okay, we're not that insensitive. We'll it's the, the breadwinner. But it's the breadwinner. So when this individual <laughs> when dies, the, man the rest dies. of us... Don't you miss a lot of people? The, do you cry like that? When the man dies, in the, do you cry like that? More. Including the extended <laughs> family, you know, there's lots of wailing. And the Aminatsu just actually reminded me, she prompted me of something regarding the, the eating the eating and calculation. Mm -hmm. One 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 one, which is three times a day, one zero one, and now it's zero zero one. So people will just wait till night to eat because of the you know the no, impact the of the pandemic. Zero zero zero. Yeah, some people yeah. So the impact of the pandemic on our economies across the African state. Then the second one, Miriam alluded to, is when she talked about how we're able to see 
the show of force or the show of support from the private sector, but he also highlighted the issue of NGOs driving social policies in African countries. So it still brings us back to that same point that we discussed regarding what kind of social policies or social development policies you know should be you know should be implemented in terms of what the people mm. want. So when you have NGOs who depend on their donors for funding, mm. NGOs from the Western world or what, whichever other part of the world they, th those funding, the donors would fund because they are probably interested in a particular area. It could mm. be the, you remember the story of our malaria yes. and the mosquito nets, and yeah. I don't want to go into that. Mm. You know? <laughs> so this other issue, the pandemic actually exposed African economies, in, I mean African countries in terms of social development policies driven mm. by NGOs. So we had that. And I think at the end of the day, just to maybe to somewhat gener generally address some of the questions we've been raising. I think mm. we should go back to the basics. Messi started off with justice, mm. access to mm. basic resources. essential, access to resources. Mm. So maybe our government, I get the beautiful policies, okay? Maybe we're being too, <laughs> too fanciful, too designer mm. yes. in, mm. our, poli in wow. our policies, oh. <laughs> exactly. you know? So let's just go to the basics. How about some clean water, you know, fresh air, good schools with mm. comfortable chairs, maybe not padded mm. chairs, but chairs yeah. all the same. Schools that have rooms. Yeah, schools that have computers. Teachers, yeah. trained teachers. I mean, how about electricity? Yeah, how about electricity? I mean, trained teachers and paid teachers. Yeah. Paid teachers. Yes, how about electricity as well? For those of us who intend to go solo basic for business. Health. I mean, so let's go back to the basics. Maybe that, that is the solution. This thing you need. just mentioned about trained teachers just brought me back to Kaduna State yeah. when Erufai sacked um, yeah. a couple of yeah. teachers yeah. and how... Which... Before I go back to that story, this leads me to what I want to talk about, which is how we are actually doing this to ourselves. Remember that I said, if you can go on a line and collect three palliatives, knowing fully whether the people that have not yes. collected, yes. then how are you better than the yes. leaders, really? Yes. So it is not just a leadership problem. It's also a societal problem, a communal problem. Absolutely. Because they sacked these teachers. Some of these teachers could not spell. They yes. say right education, you can't spare yes. education. Yes. Then they sacked you and then your 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 rebuffer to wh whatever they've said is eh, how will they fend for their family? Yes, yes. And I understand which is also a very valid point because yes, there's no job in the country and all of that. But there should be a bolster by the government for families like that. So it, there should be. Yeah, when you sack them, they yeah. should be sacked. There should be. And when they're sacked, they could, could be retrained or whatever if they can be. And then but there should be a bolster by the government to support yes. families like so that. So there's no back there's no contingency. So you have cases where they're trying to urbanize places. And Nigeria, you know how our urbanization goes. First is to buy ban bikes, mm. then later we ban keke. Yes. Like it's in progressions yes. like like mm -hmm. that then, then there is when I say if taxi does not have color yes you no, but that that is that is a yes and that's our way of well. urbanization yeah, here yeah. but then what is your contingency plan for yes, these yes, people yes. Yeah. Which is what are they going to gonna fall back on and then to increase crime which is a very very yes. like legitimate yeah it's a legitimate yeah, point absolutely. to come to so for me I feel like this is where we struggle yes we yeah. have no contingency plan we have no backup plan and mostly it's because of how we think about leadership every president comes and knows that tops i have eight years in office if i'm lucky in which they're always lucky so tops i have eight years in office so how can i just you know what uh what, what do you even call it duct tape the the, the problems tank. till is the next person yeah you scratch it yeah. right so it's a scratching of a problem <laughs> yeah you just, put a over. just it keeps peeping up yeah we keep seeing it yeah. <laughs> great okay yeah. so this this um so now, um, 
we have had this wonderful discussion on social policy, social justice. I hope you have enjoyed um, our discussion. Until next time, drop us a message, a comment. We would like to hear your thoughts on Great. this topic. Proof <laughs> uh, for mercy, um, Aminatu, Evie, and myself. See you next time. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>